May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. How many of you got outside this past week and did something that you haven't been able to do for a while? Go for a walk? Good thing I don't think we'll be walking this next week. <clears throat> the weather has been great. We're ready for it to continue. I would like you to go on a walk with me this morning. In our Bible study, we've been reading a book called, If You Want to Walk on Water, You've Got to Get Out of the Boat. It's by John Ortberg, Jr., and he's a Christian author, speaker, and senior pastor of Menlo Church in Menlo Park, California. Their church is just a little bit bigger than ours at over 4,000 members. The book was written in 2001. Oh, excuse me, I'm out of place here. Rookie run, rookie mistake. Let's go to my scripture first. This is from Matthew 14, verse 22 through 33. It immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up to the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. Waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, fear they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I'm here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it is really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. And Jesus said, yes, come. So Peter went out over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. The Gospel of the Lord. Let's try this again. So you're going on a walk with me this morning. As mentioned in Matthew 14, Jesus invited Paul to walk with him on the water. Jesus commanded, Paul followed by stepping out of the boat. They were what we would call actual water walkers. According to Ortberg, we can all become water walkers. He says, there is something, someone inside us who tells us there is more to life than just sitting in the boat. You were made for something more. There is something inside you that wants to walk on the water to leave the comfort of routine existence and abandon yourself to the high adventure of following God. As we've read in the Bible, there are numerous water walkers. I'd like to remind you of a few. Abraham, who was willing to answer God's command of sacrificing his son. God answered Abraham's faith by providing a ram instead of his son for the sacrifice. Moses led the Israelis out of Egypt 
which meant they had to cross the Red Sea with the Egyptian army in pursuit. God responded to Moses' faith by parting the Red Sea long enough for them to pass, and then he drowned the Egyptians. How about Joshua? His task was to lead the Israelis across the Jordan River with the Ark of the Covenant carried by the priests who were leading the way. God again recognized their faith by stopping the flow of the river so that the people could pass. If you remember, though, the priests had to step out in faith first by putting their foot in the water before the Lord split the river. How about the walls of Jericho? That was another example of faith when Joshua led the Israelis as they circled the walls seven times and shouted the walls down. These walks are just a few examples of how Jesus has invited others to follow him. Guess what? Jesus is still extending that invitation to all of us. He is looking for followers who are willing to get out of the boat and follow him by doing what he asks of us. This book could also be called Fear or Faith. Any idea what the most often used command in the Bible is? It has to do with fear. Have courage. Don't be afraid. There is nothing to fear. I am with you. Have faith. Has fear ever held you back? Have you ever failed at anything? Are you willing to step out of the boat? What is your boat? Your boat is whatever is holding you back. Have you ever tried something new? Were you an expert the first time? Can you imagine what your youth would have been like if as a toddler you decided you were done trying to walk because you had fallen so many times? How about when you were trying to ride that two-wheeled bike? Can you imagine now looking back on never learning that skill? Perseverance does the trick. I decided that I wanted to be a cheerleader in sixth grade, so I tried out. Well, unfortunately, I didn't make the team. I tried again in seventh grade. Same results. Again in eighth grade, no different results. In fact, I tried for five years, and I finally made the team the last two years in high school. I'm not sure whether I really got any better or they just got tired of telling me I didn't make the team. We won't ever be water walkers if we don't step out of the boat. Why should I get out of that boat? It's nice and comfortable here. I know what to expect. I'm even in control of the motor. Well, the reality is, if we don't get out of the boat, we won't meet Jesus and we won't grow. Do you wanna grow and learn? Are you a risk taker? I'm not talking about jumping out of airplanes or anything or going bungee jumping. Can you take the risk of becoming a water walker? Can you take that first step? Here are some of the pluses of becoming a water walker. It's the only way to real growth. 
It's the way true faith develops. It is an alternative to boredom and stagnation. And it is part of discovering and obeying our calling. Probably the most important reason to become a water walker is because the water is where Jesus is. I don't know about you, but I'm trying to figure out what I should do when I grow up. I'm still wondering if I'm doing what God intended me to do. Do I have enough faith to answer the call? How will I hear it? What should I do? What I've learned in this study so far with this book is I don't have to run a marathon yet. Just start walking and God will show me the way. Faith will grow as we step out without knowing the outcome. How many of you remember the movie Blues Brothers? Those two characters traveled across the US doing what? Do you remember what they answered when they were asked why they were doing what they were doing? We are on a mission for God. We are also on a mission for God, and we don't have to do it alone. Scripture has told us over and over again that we can trust Jesus to be there with us. Here are a few examples. Matthew 14, 27. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. Psalm 118, 14. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. Psalm 18, verse 1 and 2. I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Deuteronomy 31.6. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. So, what's holding you back? Where is your comfort level? Are you ruling to take a risk? Jesus is on the water. If we want to go to Jesus, we have to take that first step. Look how much Peter grew. Jesus commanded, and Peter followed. I want that kind of faith. How about you? John Ortberg says that if our desire is more faith, we need to pray more. The more we get to know Jesus, the more we'll trust him, and our faith will grow. I'd like to share a story out of the book um, that demonstrates the power of prayer. Doug Coe was a minister in Washington, D.C. that mostly involved people in politics and statecraft. Doug became acquainted with Bob, who was an insurance salesman 
who was completely unconnected with government circles. Bob, who was a new Christian, started meeting with Doug to learn more about his new faith. One day, Bob had a question about something he had read, and their conversation went something like this. Bob, ask whatever you will in my name and you shall receive it. Is that really true? Doug replied, well, it's not a blank check. You have to take it in context of the teachings of the whole scripture on prayer. But yes, it is really true. Jesus really does answer prayers. Bob said, great, then I gotta start praying for something. I think I'll pray for Africa. <laughs> Doug said, that's kind of a broad topic. Why don't you narrow it down a little bit to maybe one country? Bob said, all right, I'll pray for Kenya. Doug asked, do you know anybody in Kenya? No, said Bob. Have you ever been to Kenya, asked Doug. No, said Bob. Bob just wanted to pray for Kenya. So Doug made an unusual arrangement with him. He challenged him to pray for Kenya every day for six months. If s nothing extraordinary happened in those six months, Doug would pay Bob $500. But if something did happen, then Bob had to pay Doug $500. And if Bob didn't pray every day, the deal was off. So Bob started praying. And for a long time, nothing happened. Then one night, Bob was at a dinner in Washington. And as usually happens when you sit with people that you don't know, they all started telling about what they did for a living. One woman said she helped run an orphanage in, yep, you guessed it, Kenya. Bob suddenly saw $500 coming his way. He got so excited. He pounded the poor lady with lots of questions. She said, uh, you're obviously very interested in my country. Have you ever been to Kenya before? Bob said no. Do you know anybody in Kenya, she asked. No, said Bob. The lady asked, then how do you happen to be so curious? So Bob explained about the unusual arrangement he had with Doug. She asked Bob if he'd like to visit her country. And of course he said yes. In fact, he was so excited he would have gone that night. When he finally went to Kenya, he was appalled by the poverty and the lack of basic health care. When he returned to Washington, he couldn't get what he had seen out of his mind. He started contacting large pharmaceutical companies, describing to them the vast need he had seen. He also reminded them that every year they throw away large amounts of medical supplies that were never sold. Why not send those to Kenya, he suggested, and some of those pharmaceutical companies did. The orphanage received more than a million dollars worth of medical supplies. But the story doesn't end there. There's more. The lady from the orphanage called Bob amazed at what they had received. She invited Bob to come back for a celebration they were going to have. While he was there, he met the president of Kenya. 
the president offered to take Bob on a tour of Nairobi, the capital city. In the course of the tour, Bob saw some prisoners in a, he, they went to a prison and he saw some prisoners there that he questioned. Why, who are those prisoners? And the president said, they're political prisoners. Bob said, that's a bad idea. You should let them out. Bob finished the tour and he flew home. Sometime later, Bob received a call from the State Department of the United States government. Can you guess what the call was about? He was asked if he had recently made a trip to Kenya. He said yes. He was then asked if he had met with the president and did he have a conversation about some political prisoners. And what had he said? Bob answered, I told them to let him out, let the prisoners out. Bob was then thanked for his efforts. See, the government had been trying for several years to get those prisoners released. And now they had been released in large part because of what Bob had said. Months later, the president of Kenya called Bob. He had decided to rearrange his government and to select a new cabinet. He asked Bob if he was willing to return to Kenya and pray for him during the three days while he was working on that important task. Wow. Can you imagine all of that? Because one man prayed. I have no doubt that many of you have witnessed God answering prayers. I have a challenge. As you know, our church is struggling financially. You probably know better than I do the financial situation of this church. My understanding is that we have struggled with financial issues for a few years. Do we serve an awesome God? What could we do? What could we accomplish if we all prayed? So the challenge is this. I challenge each and every one of us here today to start praying for Clinton United Methodist Church on a daily basis. No, I'm not going to pay you $500 if something doesn't happen. However, I do believe in my heart that together we can make a difference with God's help. We can be a vital church again. Remember, we are on a mission from God. All he asks is that we step out of the boat in faith. Amen. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, guide us to become prayer warriors for Clinton UMC. Give us the strength and the wisdom so we can take that first step closer to you as water walkers. Amen.